Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up from below. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, and we've got a great podcast here. He's in the second segment. We go north of the Porter. That's where we find Andrew Cayley. He's over there with Covers.com. Does absolutely amazing work with a wide variety of sports. He covers some golf. He's going to be very busy with the NFL draft as he does a lot of college football. And he is terrific when it comes to taking a look at the MLB. So in the second segment, we're going to be chatting with him a little bit about the American League East. The outlook on the Toronto Blue Jays. What he's been noticing with regards to unders this season. And when we should maybe be starting to take a look at a few overs. So... We're going to be having that chat in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore d1. Keep in mind, letters M. Amy does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you read this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today other than, why does Garrett Cole suck so much? So we're going to be answering that in a second as we take a look back at everything that we wound up seeing on Tuesday. Find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Phillies are now just 1-7 and seven in their last eight games as they wind up dropping one to the Colorado Rockies by a count of 6-5. And for the Rockies, a three-run seventh inning is able to get the job done for them as C.J. Crone goes deep for his league-leading sixth home run of the season. 
That goes off of Jerzic Familia, as, as you know from his time with the New York Mets. That is Spanish for blown save as he winds up giving up that home run end for Kyle Gibson. Not a bad start here for the Phillies. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings. Considering it's Coors Field, that's relatively solid, but Sir Anthony Dominguez wound up putting two of those three men on base for C.J. Krohn, giving up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. You were able to get a scoreless inning out of Andrew Balotti, and for the Phillies, they were able to jump out early and looked very solid as Kyle Schwarber was able to get his third home run the campaign. That comes off of Tyler Block as... It was Kyle Freeland who wound up getting the start in this one, and he just signed a deal. Five years, $54.5 million with the Colorado Rockies just before the start, and looks all Two runs given up over the course of five innings. Block gives up that home run, giving up two runs in total in his inning, but then you're able to get a scoreless inning out of Daniel Bard, along Justin Lawrence. Alex Kalman gives up a run in the process, but for the Colorado Rockies, they are able to get this one home, and depending upon your closing number, you were able to get another under in this one. So the Colorado Rockies have been solved with that regard. The Baltimore Orioles, they've actually been your best under team in the league. As a matter of fact, they have not played an over in any out of their 11 games as they've had two pushes along the way. 2-1, to one, they wind up losing to the Oakland A's. The A's, by the way, had a reported attendance of less than 4,000 in this one, despite the fact that now they're 7-5. Griselis, not a bad start here for the Orioles. Winds up giving up four hits, three walks, and four and a third innings, but no runs surrendered. But then, Mike Bauman out of the bullpen winds up giving up two runs in one and two-thirds innings. Felix Batista, Cianado Perez were both able to give you a scoreless inning. And for Cole Irvin, solid start here. Does wind up giving up six hits and five innings with just one run. And then you wind up having Brian Kesselani, couple with Zach Luger, both give you a combined three scoreless innings. Sam Mall was able to combine with Zach Jackson to be able to combine for a scoreless ninth inning to be able to get it done as... Both of these teams poor with men in scoring position. 1 of 10 with runners in scoring position for the Oakland A's. 0 of 6 for the Baltimore Orioles. So another underwinds of cashing out there. The Cincinnati Reds continue to have the worst record out there in the big leagues now. 2 and 10 as they fall to the Slam Diego Padres by a count of 6 to 2. Revier San Martin wound up getting destroyed in this one. 5 to 3rd innings gives up 5 runs including a homer to Manny Machado. 3rd home run of the season. Bullpen from there wasn't bad. Ryan Hendricks gives up a run in an inning, but Jeff Hoffman was able to give you a scoreless inning. Duari Moretta was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Tommy Pham entered into the series having just one in all season long. He's got four now in the series, and he winds up going deep for a second home run the season, so a little bit of a bright spot there for the Reds as that comes off of Joe Musgrove. Another solid start for Musgrove. Two runs give it up in six and a third innings, including that homer, and then you wind up having Tim Hill give you a scoreless inning, and Robert Suarez was able to give you one and two-thirds inning scoreless, so San Diego Padres able to get it done once again, and Padres pitching has really been solved for this team. They have now given up a grand total of four runs in their last three games. So they certainly have been able to hold down the fort there. Speaking of being able to hold down the fort, that's exactly what you got from the Royals and the Twins as it was the Royals who were able to rally and be able to get the job done by a count of four to three. Chris Archer gets the start in this one. Not great, not terrible. Gives up two runs in four and a third innings, including Omer. That home run was pounded by Mr. Salvador Perez. Who else? winds up getting his third home run season, and they would go deep off of Ty Duffy for his fourth home run of the campaign. Duffy winds up taking the loss in this one. He's been poor out of the bullpen, giving up two runs in his ending of work, and he wound up giving up another home run as also taking him deep. He wound up having Hunter Dozier get his second home run of the campaign. He did wind up getting a pair of outs at the bullpen from Josh Smith, and two scoreless settings out of Johan Romero, who's been actually a star out there in the bullpen for the Twins thus far this season, but for the Twins, had a little bit of a tough time being able to catch up to the bullpen as Carlos Hernandez winds up giving up three runs in four and a third innings, but four and two-thirds innings scoreless 
uh, the Royals as they wound up giving up one in that time span. Josh Stamont along Scott Barlow. They combined to be able to give you two scoreless innings. Amir Garrett, one and two-thirds scoreless. And then Jake Brents was able to combine with Colin Snyder for a scoreless inning for the Royals to be able to get it done. Houston Astros have been dealing with some injuries with regards to their lineup and that clearly wound up showing in this one as the LA Angels, despite not having Mike Trout, they were able to get this one in as they were able to win by a count of 72. And Patrick Sandoval, really good start in this one. Four innings, he winds up giving up an under run in the process. He was hurt by a pair of errors out there in the field, including Kurt Suzuki. Could be a catcher interference. That's not great, but offer Ortega. Two scoreless innings, Jimmy Ergo. He does wind up giving up a run in two-thirds of an inning, but Aaron Loop was able to give you four outside of the bullpen. And Andrew Wants, you want to see more of this as he was able to give you a scoreless setting as well. And for the Angels, no home runs in this one, but they did a good job of being able to get to Framber Valdez. Four and a third innings, he winds up giving up six total runs on eight hits and four walks, so he was not sharp in this one. Bullpen was able to do their part as you wound up having a duel of Parker Mushinsky along with Mr. Ronel Blanco. Give you a combined two scoreless settings. Pedro Baez was able to give you a scoreless setting and Bobby Abreu one and two-thirds innings scoreless, but for the Astros, one of six with men in scoring position. And they struck out six times in this game, so they're not striking out a lot, but they've been dealing with injuries to guys like Jose Altuve. Jordan Alvarez was on the COVID list. He's now back at the full, but spent a little bit of a rough go of it for the Astros, who are currently finding themselves at just 6-5 and five and hitting below 225 as a collective. It's been a solid start to the year for the Seattle Mariners, and DK Nation pick was over 7.5 runs in this one, and we barely wind up getting there thanks to an Abraham Toro home run in the 7th inning, 6-2. The Mariners are able to get the job done thanks to a trio of home runs for Toro. That is his first home run of the season, and that comes off of Spencer Patton, who he winds up giving up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. He did wind up having Matt Moore and Brett Martin out of the bullpen give you two and a third inning scoreless, but for John Gray, he winds up giving up four runs on three hits, which you don't see very often as he wound up allowing a pair of bombs, and Eugenio Suarez in the first inning gets his third home run season, and then Jerry Kelnick in the second gets his second home run season as Robbie Ray. No home run surrendered by him. He was able to keep the ball in the yard. Two runs give it up over the course of six innings. Drew second rider, Paul Sewell, Diego Castillo give you a scoreless seventh, eighth, and ninth innings as for the Texas Rangers. Both runs driven in by Marcus Simeon, who has had a relatively rough go of it here in Texas, hitting a buck 43, but yeah, both of the RBI, so we thank him for his services and being able to get that total over the Tampa the Bay Rays, they go on the road. They get it done against the Chicago Cubs by kind of 6-5 as Matt Weisler wound up serving as the opener for Josh Fleming. And Fleming, well, it's been a little bit rough for him. And in the second segment with Andrew Gailey, we're going to be talking about why I'm not necessarily so bullish on the Tampa Bay Rays this season. They're now 6-6. Six six. Fleming gives up three runs in three and a third innings, including a home run to Mr. Patrick Wisdom. Second home run season and second home run in two days for him. But he did wind up having John Adam be able to give you a scoreless inning. Andrew Kittredge comes up with a two-inning save for the scene. Brooks Raley does wind up giving up two runs in two outs, but you had Ryan Thompson being able to stem the tide there. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, Wonder Franco was able to get his first home run of the season. That winds coming off of Justin Steele. And Steele, well, he was not as strong as Steele. He winds up giving up four runs in two and two-thirds innings, including that bomb. Jesse Chavez was able to give you two and a third inning scoreless. He wind up having Mr. Michael Rucker not ruck this game up. He winds up being able to give you two scoreless innings, and that's ruck with an R. Don't worry there. Chris Martin, he winds up being able to give you a inning, but he gives up two runs in the process, and then you wind up having a scoreless inning out of Ethan Roberts as well, but a win for the Tampa Bay Rays that they needed as it's been a little bit of a rough patch for them. The Giants and the Mets wound up playing a pair, and the Mets wound up taking both of them. In game number two, 
It was all about Mad Max Scherzer. 3-1. Mets are able to get it done. Scherzer, 7 innings pitch. Gives up one run. 10 punch outs. Drew Smith, Trevor May from there. They were able to sure things up. And for the San Francisco Giants, Logan Webb just wound up having one bad inning in this one. Gives up three in the third. And he was pulled very early. Three and two-thirds innings, giving up three runs. Bullpen did their part. Zach Liddell, John Breba were both able to give you a scoreless inning. Couple with Euner Marte of the Marte Barte. And then you wound up having Sammy Long give you one in the third inning scoreless. But nothing doing for the Giants bats in this one. They wound up scoring just one run, and well, the DK Nation pick wound up coming about 24 hours late, but I did have the over in Mets versus Giants, the game one battle, and well, it did wind up going over the total, 5-4. to four. The Mets were able to get it done in 10 innings as Alex Goff gives up four runs, three of which were earned over the course of four and a third innings. He was hurt by a Joey Bart throwing error, but Jock Peterson was able to help out the cause in this one. Third home run season that comes off of Mr. Tyler Miguel. Figured that his first two starts of the season were a little bit of an admiration. I think that he's going to be solid this season, but certainly I think that people were buzzing too much about having a total of six half to seven in this one. That was an overreaction. Miguel gives up four runs over the course of six innings, but the Mets bullpen stepped up. Adam Adovino, Edwin Diaz, Seth Lugo, along Julie Rodriguez are able to give you a scoreless setting and for the Mets. They go 3 of 11 with Ben in scoring position to be able to get the sweep there. The Brewers play another under as they take down the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates by kind of 5 to 2 and man, it's not really going well for our good friends the Pittsburgh Pirates right now on offense as this is a team that they have now scored three runs or fewer in three out of their last five games and I think that all but one of their games in which they have scored more than three runs in have been against the Washington Nationals. So that has not been great for them. But Daniel Vogelback was able to get a home run in this one. Second home run of the season as he's batting leadoff for the Pirates. A 250-pound chunky man leading off is something that will just never look natural to me. But that said, he got a home run. Josh Van Meter he winds up getting his first of the campaign. And JT Brubaker, well, you know what else is brewing? The fact that he didn't look terrible in this game. He does wind up giving up four runs over the course of five innings. But he's hurt by Kevin Newman out there in the field. From there, you did wind up having Ronce Contreras be able to give you three innings of relief, wound up giving up just one run in the process, and for the Brewers, they were able to take Contreras deep with Hunter Renfro, who's been a busser rooney thus far with the Brewers. He winds up getting his first home run season, then off of Brubaker, Rowdy Tellez gets his second home run of the season. Corbin Burns, another solid start from him. He did wind up giving up those two home runs, but they were both solo jobs. Ten punch outs, two runs given up over the course of seven innings, and then Devin Williams, Josh Shader, both of these guys were on their game. 11 pitchers or fewer out of both of them. They both wind up being able to get the job done with scoreless 8th and ninth innings for the Brewers to be able to cover the run line there. The Washington Nationals were able to sweep their series with the Arizona Diamondbacks and their double dip. 6-1 to one the final as Madison Bumgarner. Boy, talk about a tough luck loser. 200 runs given up in 5 innings was wound up costing him as you wound up having a pair of errors out there. Quetel Marte of the Marte Parte winds up committing his second error of the season then. You wound up having the second error of the season by catcher Jose Herrera. So, Madison Bumgarner on the hook for two runs that he didn't really give up. J.B. Wendell can. He winds up giving up one run over the course of two innings. And then Oliver Perez, who's like 40 years old, gives up three runs, two of which were earned in a third of an inning. Came out of retirement. I'm not sure why. Matt Peacock winds up giving you a pair of outs of the bullpen as well. And for the Washington Nationals, Josiah Gray, a very good start in this one. He does wind up giving up a solo home run in five and a third innings. Dalton Varsho able to get a second home run in the season. But Sean Doolittle, he was they would give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and then Steve Cishek, Kyle Finnegan, Austin Voth, both were able to give you a scoreless saying, and then the Nationals, they win a classic 1-0 game against the Arizona Diamondbacks, as Tyler Gilbert, who you may remember, threw a no-hitter last year, he did his part for the Arizona Diamondbacks. One run giving up in five and two-thirds innings. You really can't ask much more out of a starter than that. From there, you wind up having Joe Manette-Tipley, Sean Poppin, give you two and a third inning scoreless, but for the Arizona Diamondbacks, 
Five hits on 32 at-bats in this one as Johan Adon, who is really someone that should not be at the majors right now. Six and a third any scoreless. The Arizona Diamondbacks made him look like Cy Young in this one. From there, Victor Arano was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Kyle Finnegan, Dan Rainey, they come in, they give you scoreless eighth and ninth innings as the Diamondbacks. After this is all said and done, they are now hitting as a collective a buck 56. 11 games into the season, and they're hitting a buck 56. That's all that needs to be said about this team. All that needs to be said about Garrett Cole is that he wound up getting five outs in this game, and he wound up blocking five, which means that he got to give a lot of credit to the bullpen in this one. 4-2, the Yankees are able to get the win. Cole gives up both of those runs. Like I said, five walks, and he got five outs. And then from there, Clark Schmidt, three and a third inning scoreless. Juani Peralta, one and two thirds inning scoreless. Clay Holmes gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Miguel Castro, a roll to Chapman. They wind up being able to give you a perfect eighth and ninth innings to Chapman. One of his best appearances that we've seen in quite a while. And for the New York Yankees, the offense continues to be in a funk. One of 13 with runners in scoring position, and, well, a lot of the runs that they scored were unearned as Tyler Alexander, the pitcher, was unable to catch a fly ball in the first inning. Those wind up going as unearned runs. I, You may have seen my Twitter rant that these should be credited to the pitcher because when the pitcher winds up committing the error, it's just one of those cases in which it's like, you don't have the pitcher taking responsibility for the runs that are completely their fault, so... That was that as Alexander gives up two unearned runs in an inning. Earned runs, but that said, they're ruled as unearned runs. From there, Ronnie Garcia, he winds up giving up a run in a third of an inning, and he gave perhaps the worst pitch I've ever seen in my life. Literally, the ball went sideways, so you wind up having that. He and Will Vest, they combined for two innings, and then from there, you wind up getting a combined three scoreless innings out of Willie Peralta, along Jacob Barnes, Alex Lang, Michael Fulmer, Joey Menes. They combined for three innings. Jimenez winds up giving up one run, but both of these bullpens were terrific, and none of these teams could wind up hitting with men in scoring position. A combined 21 men left on base in this one, so that was a bit of a calamity. The St. Louis Cardinals, they made things nice and easy against the Miami Marlins. They put up four runs in the first three innings, and they win by a count of 5-1. to one. Adam Wainwright, he looks solid in this one. Five and two-thirds innings, gave up a solo home run to Brian De La Cruz, his first home run of the season, and that's all that he would surrender. Meanwhile, Asus Lazardo, good first start of the season against the Angels, where he punched out 12, was unable to duplicate that year. Five runs, four of which were earned, given up in his start as he wound up going four and a third innings to the card of the bullpen. You wound up having four and two-thirds innings. Scoreless, Tanner Scott, Stephen O'Kurt, Lewis Head. I'll give you a scoreless inning. Sean Armstrong, one and two-thirds innings. Scoreless, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, TJ McFarland, Giovanni Gallegos, both give you a scoreless inning, and Ryan Elsley was able to give you one and a third inning scoreless. So bullpens wound up having themselves a very nice day. On Tuesday, and you wound up having a nice day for the Boston Red Sox. 2-1, to one, they wind up taking down the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll talk a little bit more about the Blue Jays with our good friend Andrew Cayley in a few minutes. But Yusei Kikuchi, not a bad start here. Gives up one run over the course of five innings. David Phelps was able to give you a scoreless setting couple with Trevor Richards. And then Zimi Garcia gave up an unearned run. That wound up being the killer in this one. Bo Bichette wound up committing two errors in this one. And lone run of the game for the Toronto Blue Jays. Zach Collins, a solo home run off of Nathan Eovaldi. His second home run of the season as Eovaldi gives up that solo home run over the course of four and two-thirds innings. And then their bullpen went to work. And so Robles and Jake Diekman combined for two scoreless innings. Garrett Woodlock, Matt Stram. They combined for two and a third innings scoreless as the Red Sox go just one of 11 with men in scoring position. But the Blue Jays all of a sudden have been in a little bit of a funk with their inning. As they have now scored four runs or fewer, and now 
four out of their last five games. If you want to extend it a little bit more, I believe that is now six out of their last eight. So it has been a little bit of a rough go of it for the Blue Jays on offense, and they've been a little bit of an under team to begin the season. Then you wind up having the Atlanta Braves pull off a nice upset, three to one. They're able to get the job done over the Dodgers as right around plus 145-ish underdogs, depending on where you look at Max Fried. A absolute masterpiece here. Seven scoreless innings, only allowed two hits, no walks. Tyler Magic does wind up giving up a run out of the bullpen. McKinley Jansen against his former team. He winds up being able to deliver a 1-2-3 inning to be able to get it done. And Travis Arno wind up having the big hit in this one. Goes deep off of Walker Buehler for his second home run of the season as Buehler has not really looked great since September of last season. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings, including that home run. Bullpen did their job. You wind up having David Price, Evan Phillips, Alex Vizia, Justin Brule. I'll give you a scoreless inning, but for the Dodgers, two hits in this one. So absolutely nothing generated. But you know what is being generated? Money, if you're taking a look at unders right now. If you take a look at what we've all seen in Major League Baseball this season, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about it with Andrew Cayley, unders are hitting like wildfire, and we even wound up seeing it on Tuesday. Ten unders, a five overs with a push involved in there. So, unders continue to reign supreme, and underdogs, they did not wind up having a good day of it. You wound up seeing some pretty sizable underdogs be able to catch, but... Wound up going 4-12 and 12 overall, though. And if you look at underdogs for the season, being at 40.6%, 67-98. So it's been a little bit of a rough run there. But if you look at unders, which I was mentioning a little bit earlier, 92 unders, 63 overs. Obviously, you've had a couple pushes in there as well. But 59.4% of games have wound up going under the total thus far. So that's where we're all seeing in Major League Baseball right now. Let's get a little bit of a Blue Jays perspective next. So let's also talk about what we've been seeing with regards to these unders. And could it be a good time to start targeting a couple overs? We're going to be asking that to our good friend Andrew Cayley of Covers coming up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Dave Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. 
Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even That's my dance, <laughs> Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. 
check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great, too with thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. 
iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. We're back here in Love You Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, and it is great to be joined by our guests as we wind up going north of the border for this one, and for a very good reason, because Andrew Cayley does absolutely terrific work with covers. You can always catch on Twitter at covers underscore Cayley, last name is spelled C-A-L-E-Y, his bat flipping pick of the day that is always involving a Toronto Blue Jays sort of side total player prop, what have you. With regards to that, he does a great job of being able to take a look at that team. And over there at Covers, Guy does an absolutely terrific job. As he does some golf coverage, you're going to be noticing that he does a great job when it comes to being able to take a look at the NBA playoffs, especially when it comes to the Toronto Raptors with that respect as well. Guy does some college football, and Guy does a great job with regards to the MLB as well. So Andrew Cayley, really a 5 tool player when it comes to all of his work at Covers. And Andrew, it is great to have you aboard today. Thank you. I am humbled by that scouting report there, Greg. I'm really, really happy to be back and talking some seams with you this year and some betting to go along with it. I was a little worried we weren't going to get it at all here this year with potential lockout there, but it's back and we're back in full swing now. Couldn't be happier. Oh, I am right there with you. It is back and it is in full force. And we've seen about two or so weeks of the MLB season, I think more specifically about 12 or so days. But what have you really been noticing this MLB season? Because certainly offenses seem to be a little bit down this year, fewer home runs. But I do think that's been really intriguing to see how teams have been able to maneuver the lack of pitches that they've been having their starters throw. And thus far, teams have been able to do a great job of being able to keep the other off the scoreboard. Yeah, you made a good point there. You notice more and more that guys aren't pitching deeper and deeper into ballgames. Regular, even strong pitchers are only pitching five innings right now. And that really hasn't mattered because these bullpens are full of guys now that everyone can throw 97 to 100 and everybody's got a stable full of them now. And you mentioned it, pitching has gotten off to a good start, which means in turn, unders have also gotten off to a hot start. They're cashing almost 59% of the time through two weeks right now. But I do find that pretty typical early on in a baseball season. I tend to find that it's easier for pitchers to find their their form quicker than it is for hitters. Pitchers can ramp up. They don't need to face hitters to find their good stuff, whereas the hitters have to basically face that game day, every day starter pitching for them to get their proper timing back. And they'll only get that by getting 
a whole lot of major league at bats and we'll see a comeback on overs probably sooner rather than later because everyone knows that the guys who make these odds are pretty good at what they do and by the end of the year this it ends up pretty close to 50 50 i'd keep an eye on it over the next week or so and maybe we can make a little money with some overs i'm right there with you because i was taking a look at the Mets versus San Francisco Giants game that was supposed to be on Monday turned out to be Tuesday. That total opened up at six and a half, wound up closing at seven. And six and a half was way too low. Seven was still way too low. If you want to take it on Tuesday, game winds up going very easily over the total. As a matter of fact, in the fifth inning, it wound up going over the total. So that is something that I'm certainly going to be identifying as well. And you mentioned it with regards to bullpens. Now you got so many guys that, are, that they are able to throw 96 plus miles per hour. And Bullpens this year have been performing really well. The median bullpen ERA is a sub 3-5. So thus far, <laughs> the bullpens have been able to come out. They've been able to be very effective. But how much are you taking a look at Brad's bullpen overuse and that winding up having a little bit more of effect towards back half of the season? Because right now, we've got 28 players on the roster. This is going to be decreasing at the end of April. And I do think that once you do wind up having these rosters decrease a little bit more, then these guys wind up getting even more tax, and that's when you wind up seeing more of these bullpen implosions. You're hitting the nail on the head there, Greg. As soon as these rosters get cut down a bit, most of them are pitching spots that will be gone, and guys are going to have to shorten up those bullpens, and you won't be able to throw as many guys out there as you'd like to right now. Now, obviously, the theory there is that you don't have to push the starters as hard early on because you have those extra pitchers, extra bullpen arms. And that further on in the season, those starting arms can pitch a little deeper into the game. But I think it's just we're getting to a point where it's the new regular in baseball, right? Like this is this is what teams do. They try to limit as many of those starter innings as possible. And they want to come at you with these fireballers out of the bullpen. You will be able to right when that cutdown happens, I would look to start. That's another time to start looking at those overs. As we said, they'll be at that transition period that combines these guys trying to up their innings limits with having a shorter bullpen leash to work with. And so, yeah, there, that could be another opportunity to bet some overs as well. Oh, I'm right there with you. I think that that's going to be something very intriguing to look at. Lots of unders here early on in the MLB season. Once you wind up getting to the middle of the season and once these balls that are dying at the warning track in April in the Midwest, Northeast part of the country, once you wind up getting that humidity, those balls wind up going out. That is going to be a prime time to be taking a look at some slugfests, as we do have Andrew Cayley of Covers joining me on the podcast. And Andrew mentioned it at the top. You do a great job being able to take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays. And going into what we wound up getting on Tuesday, we're doing this as the games are actually going along. They were leading the American League East. And, well, to say any team has really been able to separate would certainly be a stretch. As they <laughs> entered 6-4, and four, got a pair of teams in the Yankees and the Red Sox at 5-5. Five and five. Five and six for the Tampa Bay Rays. And then you got the Baltimore Orioles in last place. Very much to be expected there. And I do think that there's four legitimate playoff contenders out there in the American League East. I think that it's going to be a very intriguing race. But what do you think is going to wind up happening with regards to this season when it comes to the American League East? Because I know that's not necessarily a popular opinion, but I took a look at the Rays. And if they don't wind up getting back as many of the guys as they're banking on, like a Tyler Glasso at some point this year, Shane Boz, I think that they might be doing for a little bit of regression. And if you took a look at their advanced numbers last year, the offense got a little bit luckier than they probably should have. That was the team out there in the American League East that I really saw a couple of weak points with. I know that's not a popular opinion. Everyone loves the Tampa Bay Rays, but that's something that I was taking a look at. I'm not sure how you wind up gauging this race, but 
think it's going to be a really interesting one for all four of these teams. It's going to be extremely tight, but I'll echo your point on the Rays there. The one big difference with them this year, as opposed to years past when they've been that surprise team, that, that plucky team that everybody loves, but nobody goes to watch sort of thing, is that they've always had really strong starting pitching, whether it was Charlie Morton or Blake Snell or going back even farther to like David Price. That's just not the case this year. They're like, <laughs> like Shane McClanahan started on opening day and uh, he got some innings last year, obviously, but he's still basically a rookie. And that's pretty much what they're rolling out. And they're going to try to be as creative as possible with that rotation and the bullpen. And it's hard to doubt them because they might be the smartest organization in baseball when it comes to figuring out how to maneuver those situations. But I was a little shocked with some of the moves this year, particularly getting rid of Austin Meadows. Like, obviously, they have someone in a room somewhere says, this is now the time to trade Austin Meadows, even though the dude's just 25 years old and he's absolutely raking with the Tigers so far this season. But the Rays, they actually lead the American League East in runs scored right now. So obviously it's hard to doubt them. They know what's going on. But at the same time, they've given up the most runs in the American League East, which we're not used to as well. The bullpen has not been as strong. I am cautiously optimistic as a Blue Jays fan. The starting pitching has been a little shaky through the first 10 games of the season. Then that's putting it lightly. And they've suffered a few injuries early on. But they also have a, a very tough stretch of baseball coming up. I believe their next 16 games come against the Red Sox, Yankees, and Astros, and that's it. Like, those are the three teams they play in that 16-game stretch. If they get out of that at about 500, I think I'd be pretty happy. Yankees right now, they're a great under bet right now, 8-2 and two to the under right now, because that offense hasn't showed up. Just three runs per game so far this season, which is obviously shocking. The pitching has been even probably better than expected right now. It's nice to see Severino p- pitching the way he is after a long stretch of injuries for him. The bullpen is, once again, still pretty solid. Nestor Cortez, he's just back baffling guys with pitching mechanics and messing with their timing. It's kind of fun to watch. So if that hitting comes around, which you kind of expect it to with the Yankees, they'll make that push as per usual. The Red Sox, on the other hand, they've got some issues in the starting rotation and their bullpen as well. Everyone has question marks, I would say. I'll probably side with the Blue Jays because that's the bet I made early in the year. I bet them to win the division at about plus 180 before the season started. So I'll be biasedly cheering them on the rest of the way, but I think they provided the best value. People will look at the Rays and think they have good value right now, but I am concerned about uh, maybe they've pushed the envelope a little too far with their philosophy this season. I totally agree with you there. And if you took a look at the four teams coming into the season, out of the season win totals, the Red Sox wound up having the lowest of them. And I felt like that was a little bit incorrect because the Yankees are very much a boomer bust team with their offense. There's going to be a lot of nights where they're scoring 10 plus runs. There's going to be a lot of nights where they score two or fewer because you just don't know if Joey Gallo is going to go yard or if he's going to strike out five times because you're really (laughs) not getting anything in the middle with Mr. Joey Gallo. But I do think that this Blue Jays versus Red Sox game that we have coming up on Wednesday is going to be very intriguing. Jose Barrios, who wound up having just that cataclysmically bad first start, is going to be going for the Blue Jays. But as we know, really, other than that cataclysmically bad start to start out the season, 
He's been solid with the Blue Jays. And then we've got Nick Pavetta going for the Boston Red Sox, who Pavetta has been solid for the Red Sox on the road, but hasn't been good at home, which I always find it intriguing when you have a guy who is a pitcher that has a full ERA worse at home rather than on the road. So that is something that is going to be going down here. And as it sits right now, we've got the Blue Jays right around a minus 140. I do think that the Blue Jays should be a favorite. I think this is what maybe a little bit too far. I'd be rating it in a tad bit more. I do like Barrios in this spot. I do think that he should be a little bit of a favorite. I don't know if I can get behind minus 140, though. If you could find maybe a minus 130, that's when I think I'd start to consider it. But the Red Sox offense is going to be one of the better ones in baseball this year. Brios, like you said, he can throw that weird outing every now and then. And as a Blue Jays fan, it makes me very nervous, just like he did on opening day there. On the other hand, Nick Pavetta going, like you said, a little worse at Fenway Park. And he's actually been hit pretty hard so far this year. I think he's given up like eight earned runs already this year, four in each of his starts. He's had his issues with the Blue Jays last season, too. They've kind of homed in on him pretty well. His stuff does doesn't trick them too much and that's a very smart lineup in Toronto nine and a half is a little high but I still might lean towards the over in that as well yeah I do think that you are going to see quite a few runs in this one I said it at a 9.3 if we'd be able to get down to a nine that would be really my buy point on and over because when it comes to Fenway Park this time of year it is very cold obviously you do have the green monster you've got those ballpark dimensions so I do think that that's a little bit intriguing. And when it comes to the Blue Jays as well, they have been dealing with a couple of injuries. When it comes to their lineup as well, we've seen Teoscar Hernandez out of the fold for a couple of games to begin the season for this team. When it comes to the Boston Red Sox, they've been dealing with some injuries at the catcher spot as well. And I do think that that needs to be taken note of. And when I take a look at both of these bullpens, Neither of them are great. Neither of them are terrible. So I think that that makes it fascinating as well because the Blue Jays, they did a good job at the trade deadline last season bringing guys like Adam Simber, Yimi Garcia. And for the Red Sox, I do feel like they've got one of the more sneaky bullpens in the big leagues, I think is the best way of putting it. I have to agree with you there. But when you mentioned their win total, I thought that was the best bet in the American leagues this year as well, just because it's too tight for them to be getting a number that low. Yep, totally agree. As we do have Andrew Cayley of Covers joining me on the podcast. And Andrew, when it comes to the betting board that we've got for Wednesday, is there anything else that is going to be standing out to you? It could be a little bit of a total, can be a side, anything like that. Anything standing out to you? I like Merrill Kelly as an underdog a bit. He's been absolutely on fire to start the year. He looks like the Diamondbacks' best pitcher. 13 strikeouts in just nine and a third innings pitch. Only four walks to that point as well. Just seven hits over that time allowed. And the Nationals, yes, they can hit for a good average. And they've obviously got Juan Soto. But that, obviously, this is not the same Washington Nationals team we've been used to. Eric Feed, he's going tomorrow for the Nationals. He's okay, not great. While the... Diamondbacks offense is obviously struggling. They're one of the lowest, I think, I believe they're the lowest scoring team in, I want to say, the major leagues. I know for sure it's the National League. They uh, entered their doubleheader hitting a buck 52 as a collective. That is less than good, some would say. Yeah. And with Kelly on the hill there, I like taking the stab at, at them as an underdog. That's something that sticks out to me right away. I also am going to ride with Carlos Rodon with San Francisco against the New York Mets. Chris Bassett got off, has got off to a good start in his Mets debut. But I'm not totally buying into the Mets yet so far. I still need to see a little bit more. Whereas I am buying into the Giants again. They're off to a strong start. They're trying to prove to everybody that last year wasn't 
a fluke. I believe Rodon was a great pickup for them. And I, I, he's one of my favorite sleepers. I guess he's not even a sleeper anymore to the National League Cy Young Award this year. He could have a big year with the Giants. And I like them at close to even money against the Mets. Whoever winds up being the underdog in that Giants versus Mets game, that's who I'm going to be looking at personally. I want to make this a relative pick'em game. And when it comes to Arizona Diamondbacks, I'm in lockstep with you when you've got Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly going on the mound. They offer this team a chance at victory. Most of those victories are probably going to be something like two to one because this Arizona Diamondbacks team, they can't hit the broadside of the barn, both figuratively and literally. So it is going to be pretty grody out there, but a man that makes things much more viewer friendly, a man that is not as grody, a man that always performs in the clutch. That'd be you, Andrew. You do an absolutely terrific job over there at covers. You cover a little bit of everything. I know that you're doing a great job taking a look at some of this offseason college football coverage as well. I do a lot of this for college basketball. I know you've been taking a look at a lot of these teams as well, so I always appreciate the hustle there and love the good people at home. Know how they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general. You can follow me on Twitter at covers underscore Kaylee. That's C-A-L-E-Y. And it's a pretty exciting week. We've got, a, like you know, like you said, I'll get my bat flipping picks. I will say too, I call them my bat flipping picks because of Jose Batista's famous bat flipping yes. the LDS of that year. But now everybody bat flips, so it doesn't stand out anymore like it used to. And I don't know if people get the reference as much. Anyways, that's because of it. You'll get those every day for me. We've got NFL draft coming up next week. I'm doing my final mock draft actually right now. I'm watching a lot of college film right now and getting ready for that. And then we've, of course, we've got some more golf majors coming up in the not too distant future. So you can see all my coverage there as well. Andrew does absolutely terrific work over there at covers. Guy covers, ironically enough, just a little bit of everything. So we've got a lot of good puns going on with this interview. Andrew, absolutely terrific guy. One of the hardest workers that you're going to find. It does an absolutely amazing job. Take a look at baseball all throughout the season. And it is always a pleasure to get him on this podcast. So big thanks to Andrew Cayley for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> 
Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, bro. <laughs> Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. 
Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be my That's my, my dance, dance bro. <laughs> <laughs>
Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too. With thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Houston Family Podcast and it is always a pleasure to get Andrew Kaylee on the show. He does great work over there. It covers us a little bit of everything. Does some college football. He does some golf. He does a lot with regards to the MLB. List goes on and on. And as you can tell, just an absolutely great guy. It is always a pleasure to get him on the show. And we were able to today. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. Could it be going in Las Vegas rotation order? This is where we go National League games first, then the American League games, and then any interleague games are typically at the bottom. We did have one added game because the White Sox and the Cleveland Guardians, they wound up getting washed out yesterday, so we're going to be doing a double dip because that game is at the very, very bottom. I'm just going to wind up doing those two together because we're going to be mentioning a lot of the same names because, well, a lot of the same guys are going to be playing in both games, so we're just going to be doing that together when the time comes. Other than that, we're going in Las Vegas rotation order, and that begins with that first Ashley game of 901-902. The Pittsburgh Pirates walked the plank to hit the road to face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Brandon Woodruff going to be going for the crew, and you've got Mitch Keller on the bump for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirates are finding themselves anywhere between plus $2 and plus two ten. Meanwhile, for the crew, you're finding them as low as minus two twenty five, as high as a minus two fifty. I'll just give you the run line right now. You're finding that anywhere between minus one twenty and minus one twenty five with the Brewers even money to plus one oh five. If you're looking to get a run and half with the Pittsburgh Pirates as a price there. And if you're taking a look at this total, you're finding it at eight with the over and under anywhere between minus one oh five and minus one fifteen. And I did mind him saying my total at 8.2. I'm looking at the over just because I think that Mitch Keller is going to get destroyed once again. Now, to Mitch Keller's credit, he actually picked up a little bit of velocity on his fastball in the offseason, but 
Command has always been the issue for him. He's got a career walks per nine rate that hovers right around four, and I recognize this is not a great Milwaukee Brewers lineup, but you saw Christian Yelich in the beginning part of this series really come out. He had that big grand slam. Looks like he might be getting back a little bit more to that MVP form that we wound up seeing last season. Rowdy Tillis, Andrew McCutcheon, they've been able to reach base. Now, you're going to need to get a little bit more out of the bottom of the lineup. Lorenzo Cain, Jace Peterson, Hunter Renfro, even William Thomas and Colton Long have been off to relatively slow starts of the season. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, to their credit, Daniel Vogelback, who I don't feel like he should be a leadoff hitter. That's a story for another day. He's been able to hit above a 300. Brian A is hitting well above a 300. Brian Reynolds hit a 300 last season. You don't necessarily have a lot of power, but even someone like a Yoshi Satsugo, Ben Gamble, these guys are able to get on base for you, but you take a look at Mitch Keller and you got to fear that he's going to light the game on fire. He's got a 939 ERA this season. You take a look at what he wound up doing in 2021 at his 617 ERA there now. He actually wound up having a 357 ERA, but that was in a small sample size on the road. 40 and a third innings. Still wound up giving up five home runs. Opponents hit a 280 off of him, so he clearly deserved a little bit worse of an ERA. They wound up getting an overall for the season. His walks per nine rate was hovering right around a four and a half. Then you take a look at Brandon Woodruff, and he had that cataclysmically bad start and Wrigley Field to begin the season and just did not wind up having a great spring training but I think that his last start was able to settle him down and at home last year was able to post up a 231 ERA gave up 9 home runs over the course of 85 and 2 thirds innings was able to get more than 10 strikeouts per 9 innings this guy's rock solid and this is a Brewers bullpen that you've got Devin Williams who has been struggling a little bit but gotta feel like he's gonna be able to figure it out Josh Hader we all know what to be able to get on them Brad Boxberger you've been able to have Jake Cousins be able to do a solid job for the Seamen to the credit of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Bullpen isn't terrible. David Benares has been able to give you some good innings. Chris Strand is someone I like when you need him in long relief. Dylan Peters has been able to come through and you might need him in long relief because I don't know if Mitch Keller is going to be long for this game, but I do think that the Brewers are going to be able to get to Keller. From there, I do think that the bullpen could wind up settling things down, but with the Brewers, I'm looking at a run line here. I wound up setting their money line at a minus 227, but I think that they should be able to win this game at multiple runs because Mitch Keller, just not a guy that I can trust in. I was willing to lay up to a minus 128 with the Brewers' run line, so I'm going to be taking that minus 120-ish, minus 115-ish with our Brewers run line. Set my total at 8.2, so here at an 8, I'm going to be taking a look at an over as well. We move on to 903-904 on the betting board. It is a Philadelphia Phillies, and the Phillies are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Colorado Rockies. What Urban Marquez is going to be going for the Rockies, and Zach Eflin hopes to not be Eflin awful for the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies find themselves anywhere between a minus 110 to a minus 115 favorite, with the Rockies find them as good as a plus 105, as bad as a minus 110. 11.5 is your total, with the over anywhere between even money and minus 115, the unders anywhere between minus 105, minus 120. Seeing a straight 11 out there as well, that over is minus 120, and the under is even, and I did wind up making Irma Marquez the minus 113 favorite. I take a look at Colorado, and this team always plays significantly better at home than they do on the road, and I do think that those home and road splits are very important, and you do take a look at Zach Eflin. He's not a great pitcher. He's not a terrible pitcher. He's about as middle of the road as it gets. Thus far this season for Zach Eflin, eight innings pitch. He's allowed four runs. That's sort of what you can expect from him this season, and you take a look at 2021 with Eflin. He did wind up having some bad home and road splits, 302 ERA at home. 5-12 ERA on the road, giving up 10 home runs in 58 innings. The good news for him is that his walks, he's able to keep them way down right around a walk and a half per nine innings last season, so command is certainly going to be there for Zach Eflin. He's not going to allow cheap base runners. And then on the flip side for Colorado, Irmar Marquez, one of the more underrated starters, in my opinion, in the league. You take a look at what this guy was able to do at Coors Field last season, and he wound up posting up a 367 ERA at home, 
giving up nine home runs in 103 innings. Now, walks were a little bit of an issue for him. He wound up giving up right around three and a half walks per nine innings, but opponents hit a 214 off of him at Coors Field. Absolutely ridiculous. And this was a Phillies team that going into Tuesday, they were really scuffling with the bats. A team that had scored three runs or fewer in four out of their last five games. Got to feel like they're probably going to be able to pick it up a little bit here, but having Gene Segura out of the fold, I felt like hurt them a little bit. He was able to come back into the lineup yesterday. He, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, along Kyle Schwarber, entered into the game on Tuesday with two-plus home runs, but for Hoskins, Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, along with Kyle Schwarber, all these guys entered into Tuesday hitting a 242 or lower, so it's been a little bit of an issue for the team. Alec Bohm in his limited at-bats has actually been relatively solid for the team, and take a look at Colorado. Their home and road scoring splits are always the biggest in baseball. You could look just about every single year, but I'm Randall Gretchick, Elias Diaz, these guys hitting above a 300 is absolutely massive for the team. CJ Crone entered Tuesday with five home runs hitting above a 300. Connor Joe, he throughout his career at Coors is hitting right around a 325. Charlie Blackman, darn near all of his home runs throughout his last few seasons have been coming in Colorado as well. And for the Rockies, they actually entered into Tuesday with the best bullpen ERA in the big leagues. Now, that is not going to be withstanding when you've got guys like Lucas Gilbreth, Justin Lawrence, Tyler Kinley out of the bullpen, but they're clearly a little bit better than they were a season ago. And the Phillies, they did wind up revamping their bullpen as well. They do wind up bringing in Brad Hand. You're able to rely upon Corey Knebel towards back half of the game as well. Heck, you even take a look at someone like a Nick Nelson that's able to give you long relief. Christopher Sanchez I think has a little bit of upside as well. So I do think that this is going to be a relatively low-scoring game. I set my total at a 9.8. I think that Zach Eflin going to get outdueled a little bit by Herman Marquez just because Marquez is so good in Colorado. But I think that he's going to hold his own. Wound up setting the Rockies as a minus-113 favorite. So going to be willing to take them here in the spot right around about a minus-110-ish. And when it comes to total, I'm going to be taking a look at it under. 9.05, 9.06 on the betting board. You've got yourself the LA Dodgers, and they are going to be playing us to the Atlanta Braves. One Charlie Morton is going to be going for the Bravos, and Tony Gonsolin is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are finding themselves as anywhere between minus 130 and minus 137 favorites, and if you're taking a look at the Bravos, anywhere between plus 115 and plus 127 is your price. Nine is the total. Under is anywhere between minus 120 minus 125 over is anywhere between even a plus 105. Seems to trade 8.5s out there as well. On the 8.5 over is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between even and plus 105, and I want to make the Braves plus 122 in this spot. So it is at my buy point here with a lot of places right around a plus 125. Then we'll take a shot. I do feel like the Dodgers should be a slight favorite because this is a Death Star lineup with this team. You just take a look up and down and you've got yourself a whole bunch of mashers. Mookie Betts, Lee Turner, Stray Turner down for what? Justin Turner down for what? Chris Taylor, Max Muncie, list goes on and on of guys that this season, they are going to be all about the least 20 home runs. They're going to hit north of a 260. Freddie Freeman, first at bat against his old team. Why is it going yarding? Cody Bellinger at a 366 on base entering into Tuesday as well. Gavin Lux a 400 on base entering into the day as well. And for the Atlanta Braves, this is not a team that's shot blue there either. I mean, Ozzie Albies entered into Tuesday hitting five home runs. Matt Olson north of a 500 on base for the team. Marcel Zuna has been able to barrel up. He's already been able to give the team four home runs this season. So, you do have quite a bit of firepower with that regard, but you take a look at the way that Charlie Morton is able to perform, and more specifically, how he's able to perform on the road, and he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, even at his advanced age. Last season, in road games, 8-3 record, 3-0-6 ERA, 4 home runs given up in 88 and a third innings. Walks are an issue, 3.5 walks per 9 innings, but opponents had a buck 85 off of him. And for Tony Gonsolin, he's someone that he's able to be relatively effective in short bursts. 
you take a look throughout his career, and he hasn't really pitched more than five innings in really too many of his starts. Wanda King, seven starts last season at home, 270 ERA. Did wind up having a walks per nine rate right around four and a half, but opponents hit just a 202 off of him. He was able to get north of 10 strikeouts per nine innings, and both of these teams are backed up by relatively solid bullpens for the Dodgers. You wound up having Phil Bickford last year actually be a tremendous reliever for the team. Even someone like an Alex Vecilla is able to give you good innings, but Blake Tryon, you're able to couple him with Craig Kimbrell. These guys are able to be absolutely dominant. And then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. A.J. Minter, Tyler Madzak, Darren O'Day. These guys are able to come in. They are able to hold down the four for you. I do think that Charlie Morton going to be able to lend both a little bit more length and a little bit more effectiveness than Tony Gonsolin. So I'm going to be taking a look at that plus 125 here with the Atlanta Braves. But I do think that both of these guys are going to be relatively effective. I do think that the bullpens are going to be able to keep the scoring a little bit low in this game. Semi-total at an 8.7. If we wind up getting more of a minus 110 on 8.5 because this line does seem to be shifting downward, I would be willing to take the 8.5 over, but seeing the 9s right now, I'm going to be taking a look at an under in this spot to go along with the Atlanta Braves as we move on to 907-908 on the bang board. You've got the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati and they're onto the road to face off against the Slam Diego Padres. Mackenzie Gore is going to be going for the Padres and Vlad Vladimir Gutierrez is going to be on the bump for Cincinnati. Red legs are anywhere between plus 160 and plus 168. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the pods, it's anywhere between minus 175 and minus 190 with 8.5 being your total over is anywhere between minus 110. And seeing as high as a minus 125, the under is anywhere between minus 110 and plus 105. And this is the spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the... Cincinnati Reds says, I do feel like we went a little bit too far with this one. With the Reds, I was willing to take them pretty much at anything north of a plus 155 and we are here on this one. You take a look at Vladimir Gutierrez and what he was able to do last season. On the road, a 380 ERA, 6-2 record, 64 innings. On a giving up 7 home runs. Now, walks were a little bit of an issue. Right around 3.5 walks per 9 innings surrendered. But held opponents to a 230 batting average. And for Mackenzie Gore, very highly touted guy. 23 years old. First start in his MLB career came against the Atlanta Braves. They wind up giving up home run, but only 2 runs in total. But I do take a look at this and I feel like it's a little bit more of an even up pitching matchup now. No question, the edge in the bullpen does wind up going to the Slam Diego Padres. You've got Greg Stammen, Pierce Johnson. You're able to throw in there a few others like Pedro Avila. They're able to give you some solid innings. Like they're using an Nelson Lament in a little bit of relief as well. But got to feel like the Reds, who wound up entering into Tuesday, hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. Not like they're going to be mashing by any stretch of the imagination, but Joey Votto's not going to continue at a buck of five. You wound up having Tommy Pham enter into the series, hitting, I believe it was 1 of 27 for the season. Then he winds up going something like 3 of 4. So he was able to pick it up there. R.E.C. Aquino, Colin Moran, these guys entered into yesterday, hitting a 0.83 or worse. These guys stink. They don't stink that bad, so I do think that there's going to be positive progression with regards to the bats, and then you do take a look at the Slam Diego Padres. You've been able to get some good production whenever Eric Cosmer has been out there. He's sitting north of a 350. Manny Machado was sitting that entering into Tuesday as well. Also, Kim has been able to pick it up a little bit more as well, but Luke Voigt has been a little bit rough for this team. Trent Grisham hasn't been able to get out of his own way. Jerickson Profar, three home runs, but not necessarily hitting for average, and for the Cincinnati Reds, Luis Sessa is able to give you a couple solid innings for this team. I do think that Tony Santina is going to be able to pick it up with solid out of the bullpen line season this year. It's been a little bit rough for him, and they did pick up Hunter Strickland in the offseason. Hunter Strickland has been off to a really rough start to the season, but still a guy that's able to throw some meat. I think that he's going to be able to give this team some solid innings. I do think that the Padres should be a favorite in this spot. I think that we went a little bit too far with the price, especially with the way that Gutierrez typically pitches on the road. So I did wind up saying this more at a plus 154 with the Reds. So I'm going to be taking a look at that plus price. I did wind up saying this total at an 8.3 as well. You've had a Cincinnati Reds team that's had a tough time 
being able to put bat to ball, but I do think that Gutierrez going to come in, going to do a solid job against these Padres bats, especially with, once again, having Fernando Tatis Jr. still on the fold for San Diego. So, looking under, and I'm going to be looking at the red legs. As we go to 909-910 on the betting board, we have the St. Louis Cardinals hit the road to face off against the Miami Marlins. You got one Sunday Alcantara who's going to be going for the Miami Marlins, and with regards to the St. Louis Cardinals, it was looking a little bit early on like it was going to be Miles Michaelis who was going to be getting the start. Right now, according to ESPN, it's still Miles Michaelis, so I've got this handicapped as this, but currently this is a game that is off the board with regards to books because they don't know for sure if it's going to be Miles Michaelis or if we wind up seeing some sort of a mystery pitcher when it comes to the Cardinals. I tell you right now, with Miles Michaelis versus Sandy Alcantara, I wound up saying the Miami Marlins at a minus 120. I would think that if we wind up getting someone different here, for the St. Louis Cardinals, it's going to be something that is going to be relatively similar. I'm not going to be adjusting this too much, so you can expect something in the ballpark and all of that listed up in the morning on the spreadsheet if we do wind up seeing a different starter, but you do take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals team, and it's a team that's doing a good job of being able to put back to ball. We wound up seeing that yesterday as they wound up having five runs up on the board in the first five. You've really been able to get some good production thus far this season out of Nolan Arenado. He's went deep four times as north of a 460 on base. Tyler O'Neill has been able to do a solid job. He's hitting right around 280, and Albert Pools already has a pair of homers. He's hitting a 389. Now, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of cooling with this, but hey, he's been able to bring something to the table. Tommy Edmonds been able to hit a couple home runs. Paul Goldschmidt and Dylan Carlson are off to rough starts of the year, and yet still, the lineup has been very solid for the Miami Marlins. It is a bullpen that is relatively solid, as you've got the Anthony's, Anthony Bender, Anthony Bass. Both of these guys are able to do a relatively solid job for this team. You wind up bringing in Tanner Scott and Cole Solzer from the Baltimore Orioles as well, but when it comes to bats, the Miami Marlins in games have wrapped up in regulation. They've scored four runs or fewer in all but two of them. You've got Asu Sanchez, who's sitting right around 360, pair of home runs for him. Brian De La Cruz has been able to get on base for you. And Jess Chislam has been able to get a pair of home runs. He's been able to get on base, but been a rough start to the year faces Aguiar, who actually at a point last season in the National League was leading the National League in RBI in like August, so this is someone that's able to put back to ball with Jacob Stallings or a Soler, along with Miguel Ruas, Avicio Garcia, all in below the Mendoza line of 200. That's a little bit tough, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, even if it's not going to be Miles Michaelis, even if it winds up being some sort of a bullpen game, they're stretching out Jordan Hicks right now. He's able to give you multiple innings, Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos. These guys were relatively solid. And once again, with Michaelis, this is someone new in his first two starts of the season. 261 ERA has been able to come down has been able to hold down the fort. Not a guy that's going to get a bunch of strikeouts, but not a guy that's going to issue a lot of walks. Three walks at 10 and third innings this year. It's actually a little bit high for him. I expect that to drop a little bit. Then you take a look at Mr. Sandy Alcantara, someone who just throughout his career has been able to perform very well in the city of Miami. His home ERA last season was a 241. 2-6 record with a 241 home ERA, by the way, giving up eight home runs at 104 and a third innings. Opponents hit a buck 98 off of him. Needless to say, he was a tough luck loser last year at home, but I do think that the Miami Marlins are going to be able to back up Sandy Alcantara a little bit better in this spot. Once again, with Miles Michaelis, he is the projected starter. If it winds up being something similar for the St. Louis Cardinals, I'll have similar numbers, but as of right now, what I've got with Michaelis versus Alcantara is the Miami Marlins, a minus 120 favorite. Semi total at 7.1 as well. So, 7 is pretty much the highest I'd be willing to go over on when we, we wind up getting to 7.5 or higher. That's what I'd be starting to take a look at and under. As we move on to 9 11, 9 12 on the bank board, here's the Diamondbacks at the road face off against the Washington Nationals. Eric Fetty Wap is going to be going for the Nationals, and Merrill Kelly is going to be on the bump for Arizona. The Diamondbacks are finding themselves as an underdog. 
in between plus 110 and plus 115. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Nets, you're going to be finding them in between minus 121 and minus 130. And your talents game is between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8.5, under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. On the 8.5, over is minus 125. And the under is plus 105. And I'm actually going to be back in the Arizona Diamondbacks in the spot. I made them a minus 107 favorite. Now, it has been another rough series for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are now 3-8 and eight overall after they wound up not being able to score on Yon Adon and this offense is bad. I mean, they're really, really bad. They entered into their doubleheader against the Washington Nationals hitting a buck 52 and if you do the math, I think it actually went down after these last two games. You know, take a look at the starters that you wound up having in game two. One guy at the end of the game had a batting average above a buck 94 and that'd be Seth Beer. Hooray, Beer. So, oh, Gosh, it is not necessarily going well for them. You've got to expect some of these guys are going to be able to pick it up. Yoni Hernandez, Carson Kelly. I mean, these guys are not just hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. They're hitting below a 100 right now. I mean, this is, this is like Greg Peterson style hitting right now. I could go out there and I could hit a 0-40 like Carson Kelly is right now. I mean, it is that bad. Ketel Marte of the Marte Parte. He had 14 home runs. He actually got on base last season. He's hitting a buck seventy-one. Dalton Varsho, who wound up scoring the lone run of the day for the Arizona Diamondbacks yesterday. He's hitting a buck seventy-one. And you do take a look at the Washington Nationals, and you do have a couple of pounders on the team. You've got Juan Soto, who's been able to give you a trio of home runs. He's got a four thirty-one on base. Josh Bell, similar on base. He's been able to give you a couple of home runs. You've got to like what you've been able to see out of Miguel Franco along with Cesar Hernandez as well. A pair of older guys, they'll be able to pick it up. But you look at their bottom half of the lineup. Someone like a Keeper Ruiz. Lucius Fox, Victor Robles, these guys have been rough, and it is a Washington Nationals bullpen that is not good, and they did wind up having to use up quite a few guys yesterday. Andres Machado, Hunter Harvey, Tyner Rainey, these are guys that you really can't have a lot of faith in, and for the Arizona Diamondbacks, the best pitcher in this game is going to be Merrill Kelly. You take a look at his first two starts, he has not allowed a single run, so even though the offense has been really bad, all they need to do is get one if Merrill Kelly's out there, and all of a sudden, they've got themselves a shot. Merrill Kelly is someone that does have demonstrative home and road splits during the 2021 season at a 378 home ERA, 518 road ERA, but really ever since the All-Star break last season, this guy's really been able to do a good job with regards to command. Fewer than three walks per nine innings last season, and for Mr. Eric Fetty Wap, this could be a little bit of a get-right spot here for the Arizona Diamondbacks last season. Posted up a 550 ERA in Washington, gave up nine home runs at 55 and two-thirds innings. His walks per nine rate was hovering right around four, with opponents taking a 269 off of him. Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen, certainly not great. Sean Poppin is someone that you need to rely upon for innings, but Joe Manaf-Dipley, actually not terrible out there. Oliver Perez, Mark Melanson, it's as if they're hiring on people for a retirement home, but they're still able to give you an inning or two here and there, so I do think that the Diamondbacks are going to get an absolutely tremendous start here from Merrill Kelly, and that'll be enough for them to be able to get the job done in what I think is going to be a relatively lower scoring game. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.3, so I'm looking at the 8.5s with minus 115 juice, and I'm going to be taking a look at an under in the spot. And with the Diamondbacks, set them at a minus 107, because I think that Kelly is going to be able to run circles around Eric so, looking at the Diamondbacks and looking at the 8.5 under. 9.13, 9.14 on the bang board. The New York Metropolitans are going to be playing us to the San Francisco Giants. One Carlos Rodan is going to be going for the Giants. And 
Chris Bassett as you look, line and sinker as it's going to be going for the Mets. Mets are right now finding themselves as a very slight underdog in a lot of spots. Find them anywhere between minus 103 and minus 110. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Giants, find them as good as a minus 105, as bad as a minus 110. Between 6.5 and 7 is your total. On the 6.5, over is minus 120, and the under is even. On the 7, the under is minus 120, and the over is even. And I've got this as a relatively tight game myself. Set my line as the Giants at a plus 104. So I do need a plus price to be able to take a shot here on San Francisco. One lay up to a minus 104 with the Mets. In, with the Mets, I'm seeing as good as even money with them. So right now, the way that I look at it. It is a mess. I personally am going to be taking a little bit more of a see where this line settles in overnight and whatever team I'm able to get plus money on, I'm going to take a shot on. But early on we've been noticing the money coming in a little bit more to the Giants, making them a very slight favorite. So right now we're going to be taking a look at the New York Mets once again. We're going to be keeping an open mind with this thing overnight. But take a look at the way that Chris Bassett has been pushing and the reason why I made him the very slight favorite in this spot is that he's given up one run and two starts so far this year. And you can take a look at what he was able to do with Oakland last season. This guy was very dominant, both at home and on the road. When he was away from Oakland, he had an 8-1 record. He wound up giving up 9 home runs at 87 and a third innings. Opponents had a 235 off of him, and the command is relatively solid with him as well. Overall, last season, wound up giving up right around 2.3 rocks per 9 innings, and then you take a look at Mr. Carlos Rodon, and he has been very dominant in his first two starts. 12 innings, giving up 2 runs. He has been able to get 21 punch outs. This guy is absolutely tremendous. Length is sometimes a little bit of an issue because he has dealt with some arm issues, but certainly has been able to come out there. He's been able to down the fort, and both of these offenses are very solid in their own right. You take a look at the San Francisco Giants, and Jack Peterson sitting above a 300. He's a good power bat. Brandon Belt, since the beginning of last year, has been able to hit a home run every 12 to 13 or so at bat. Darren Ruff has had a little bit of a rough start to the season, but Suds North of a 300 on base. Thario Estrada, Steven Duger, even someone like their young infielder and Jason Vossler have been able to get on base as well. And then you take a look at the Mets, and you've got Brandon Nimmo along Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil at the top of the lineup, all hitting a 300. Eduardo Escobar right in that vein as well, with more like a 450 on base. Starling Marte, one of the best base dealers in all of baseball, Pete Alonso, he's able to barrel them up. He wound up actually leading all of the MLB in home runs on the road last season. Now, the bullpen, that is a little bit of advantage to the San Francisco Giants. Only team in the league last season with a sub-3 bullpen ERA. We've got a lot of these guys, like Dominique Leon, Zach Liddell, Jose Alvarado, or back in the fold, we wound up seeing quite a few of these guys, like Jarlon Garcia, Camilo Duvall, wind up pitching yesterday, so it's going to be a little bit of a tired pen. They're going to need to rely upon some of the ancillary pieces, and the same goes for the Mets as well, especially with things going 10 innings yesterday, but that said, Sean Reed Foley is able to give you a little bit of length. Jason Shreve has been okay for this team. Edwin Diaz is a guy that I'm not necessarily in on, but even Adam Adovino, I feel like teams have been poo-pooing him a little bit too much, and Max Scherzer being able to lend some good length in game number two. That should be able to help out the Mets a little bit, so I'm going to lay up to a minus 104 here with the Mets, seeing them between even money, minus 103 in a lot of spots. Right now, we're looking at the Mets once again. I'm going to personally wait for a little bit of overnight line movement before I wind up firing on this, but the way things are shaping out right now, if I had to bet it right now, I'd be taking a look at the Bets at those prices, and I did wind up saying my total I had 6.7. Here at the 7, I'm going to be looking under. I actually do think that it's warranted with both Bassett and Rodon going on the mound, so looking under, and I'm going to be looking at the Metropolitans. 915-916 is going to be in conjecture with 931-932 on the betting board. Chicago White Sox going to be playing against the Cleveland Guardians for a pair. Right now, it looks like game one is going to be what we were expecting. 
to get on Tuesday with Dallas Keuchel going for the White Sox and Mr. Shane Bieber Fever going for the Guardians. And then game number two, we've got Jimmy Lambert going for the White Sox and Tristan McKenzie on the bump for Cleveland. Now, right now, no books have numbers up on either of these games. So we don't have anything available. And there is a little bit of question mark as to if we wind up seeing a little bit of an adjustment with regards to some of these pitching matchups. But what we do have at our disposal is what the game was made with regards to Keiko versus Bieber when it was taken off the board on Tuesday. And a lot of spots wound up having this line right around minus 135 for the Cleveland Indians with a plus 125 on the White Sox. 7.5 was a total over and under. And we're team minus 105 and minus 115. And that'd be a spot in which if we do wind up getting Keiko and Bieber in game number one, I'd be willing to take a 7.5 over and I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 142 with Mr. Shane Bieber fever now. With Bieber, his strikeout numbers have been down a little bit this season. It's been a little bit of a rough go of it for him, but I do expect him to be able to fire on all cylinders. And we're talking about Shane Bieber as if he's, like, had this significant fall off. He's given up three runs in ten innings thus far this season with three walks and nine strikeouts. It's not like it's the end of the world. This is a guy that wound up coming off of a rough injury last season. He's come back and he hasn't looked like his old self, but he still looks solid. And I have a lot more faith in him rather than Dallas Keiko because take a look at what Dallas Keiko wound up doing in 2021. 575 road ERA in 16 starts. Gave up 11 long balls in 81 and a third innings with opponents sitting at 310 off of him. And then he wound up having a strikeout to walk rate that was right around 1.3. I mean, this guy is just not very good for the White Sox. You got to figure that. They might need to look to the long relievers in this game. You've got guys like Kendall Graben, Liam Hendricks are good at the back half of the game, but Jose Ruiz, Aaron Bummer, these guys are probably going to need to eat innings and then for the Cleveland Guardians, this is still one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues. Nick Sandlin is able to give you some good innings. Connor Pilkington is a young guy that I really think is going to be able to flourish. 24-year-old gentleman, he wound up having some very good years out there in the minor leagues, came over from Mississippi State. This is someone that I really like for them. Emmanuel Classe is someone that's able to give you some good innings as well. Even Anthony Castro able to do a good job out there in the bullpen. And for the Guardians, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression with the offense that we've seen this season. But certainly, yeah, Camp Poo a team that's hit a 273 thus far. You've had Miles Straw hit a 333. He's got great wheels whenever he winds up getting on base. His four seals currently leads majors. He's also, by the way, got four of the five solo bases for the team this season. So he's been carrying the team with that regard. But Owen Miller, Stephen Quad, both of these guys have north of a 500 on base. Certainly they're going to see regression there. But both of these guys are proving that they're able to get on base. And that makes home runs that you wind up getting out of Jose Ramirez along Fremio Reyes go from perhaps solo shots to two run shots. And the Guardians are doing this with Famriel Reyes giving you six hits of 15 strikeouts and inning a buck 50 while Jose Ramirez has certainly been able to do his part and for the White Sox it's been a relatively solid lineup in their own right but they're a team that they hit left-handed pitching much better than they do right-handed pitching and they've had a tough time being able to get on base themselves hitting a 228 as collective team Anderson is hitting a 393 Andrew Vaughn 348 and Vaughn has been able to hit a pair of home runs this season but really other than these two gentlemen the only other guy that's hitting really above a 250 that has seen more than 20 at-bats that would be Mr. Jake Berger. So it's been a rough go of it for guys like Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, guys that you expect to have quite a bit of power. And I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up, but I do think that they're going to have a little bit of a rough go of it with the Guardians. So at the numbers that we wound up seeing coming off the board in that Keiko versus Bieber start, we'll be looking Guardians and the over. And then when it comes to Lambert versus McKenzie, I take a look at the Guardians in the spot, and I think that Tristan McKenzie should be right around about a minus 136-ish favorite. Maybe my total of 8.5, so 8.5 or lower. Going to be taking a look at the over eight, 9 or higher to the under as I made it an 8.7, but with McKenzie, he wound up going down to the minor leagues last season after he was having some really bad command issues. He wound up having 6 walks per 9 innings prior to going down to the minor leagues. Cut that in over half when he 
wound up coming back up. First two starts of the season, not necessarily a ton of length, but looked relatively solid. Seven innings, two walks, no home run surrender, just two runs given up. So he has looked relatively solid here for the Guardians. And then you take a look at Jimmy Lambert, and I just feel like the White Sox have better pitching options than Jimmy Lambert. His first start of the year, it's not like it was cataclysmically bad or anything like that. Two runs given up in three innings, but he's never been a guy that's really lent a lot of length, even at the minor league levels. In balls that aren't juice ball leagues or anything like that, he's had right around a four-inch. GRA. Take a look for his career. He's made four starts. He's given up four home runs in 18 innings, seven walks in 18 innings. It's been a guy that he hasn't performed well at the minor league level. He hasn't really performed well at the major league level. McKenzie is a right-handed pitcher as well, so I'd be setting the lines relatively similarly with the Guardians in game number two with McKenzie versus Lambert. And after lower looking at an over nine or higher to the under end, we'd be willing to lay up to about a minus 135 here with the Guardians. And if we wind up getting similar numbers to what we wind up seeing yesterday, once again, we'll be looking Bieber and we'll be looking over in that spot as well. So hopefully I made that as clean and concise with that double dip as possible as now we have cleared all those. As we go to 917, 918 on the bang board, the Detroit Tigers are going to be playing us to the New York Yankees. Luis Severino is going to be going for the Yankees, and Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be on the bump for the Tigres. Your total on this game, 7.5, over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. The Yankees, anywhere between minus 160 and minus 171 favorites. With the Tigers, you're going to be getting them in between plus 150 and plus 156, and it's the spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the Detroit Tigers. I wind up saying them as a plus 126 underdog with Luis Severino. He looks solid in his last start against the Toronto Blue Jays, but this is also someone that is seeing his first real Pitching outings in a very long time because this is someone that he wanted missing the pretty much entirety of the 2020 season. In 2019 and 2021, wound up seeing action in a combined seven games in those two. So, I mean, this is a guy which a jury is still very much out on. Meanwhile, with Eduardo Rodriguez, a little bit of a rough go of it the last time out. Wound up giving up seven runs, only two of which weren't against the Boston Red Sox. Fielding did wind up helping him out, and that's been a theme for the Detroit Tigers thus far this season. But you do take a look at this Tigers team, and I do think that you're going to be able to get some guys being able to bat to ball, even with Javi Bias currently on the injured list, as Austin Meadows is hitting a forearm for the team. Miguel Cabrera, at his advanced age, doesn't have as much power, but he's got right around a 360-ish on base. You've noticed that Spencer Torkelson, after since he wound up having a bad first week of the season, he's been able to pick it up, and then Akil Badu, Tucker Barnhart, Robbie Grossman, guys hitting below a buck fifty. These guys are going to be able to pick it up. And for the Yankees, you got to have a little bit of faith that the bats are going to be able to pick it up as well. Right now, you've got Anthony Rizzo, John Carlos Santon, Joey Gallo, only below the Mendoza line of 200. Now, I think Joey Gallo winds up ending up there when it's all said and done because this guy just swings and misses like 200 times a year. But that said, you got to expect a little bit more positive progression there. Aaron Judge has been relatively solid for this team. He does a nice job being a weed on base. Just one home run thus far. That is certainly going to be ticking up. And for both of these teams, the bullpen is relatively solid. You do take a look at the New York Yankees, and I don't think that you can have a lot of faith in a role to Chapman whatsoever. Since June of last year, 7.6 walks per nine innings. That is not great, but Michael King was able to bail him out against the Blue Jays last week. Wandy Peralta has been able to give you some very good innings. Heck, I also like what you're able to get out of Miguel Castro, Lucas Lutke. These guys are solid, and for the Tigers, after the All-Star break last year, they wound up having a top-ten bullpen ERA. Michael Fulmer has been able to give you some good innings. Alex Lang, Gregory Soto, Will Vest. These are 
our guys are you're able to get by. Jacob Barnes is a acquisition for this team, so I do like what is being provided there. I do think that Eduardo Rodriguez, after he wound up having one of the biggest ERA to fielding independent discrepancies in all of baseball last season, he's going to be a lock-in. He's got a lot of experience pitching against the New York Yankees, so did wind up setting the Tigres here at a plus 126, so I am going to be taking a look at the Detroit Tigers in the spot. Also wound up setting my total at 8.3, so look it over and look at Tigers. 919-920 on the main board. The LA Angels are going to be hitting the road face-off against the Houston Astros. Jake Odorizzi is going to be going for the Astros, and Shohei Otani is going to be on the bump for the Halos. Angels, anywhere between minus 128 and minus 140 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Houston, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 110 and plus 130. 8.5 is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. And I've noticed that a lot of books, as I am doing this podcast, right around 7 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, they have been a little bit slow to post up a number. For one, I think that the fact that Mike Trout is day-to-day has a lot to do with this. He wound up taking a ball off the hand when he wound up playing in that series in Texas. And for two, Shoei Otani sometimes does wind up getting his starts sort of mixed around a little bit. So I do think that that is something that do take into consideration if you're betting this overnight. And obviously, you guys know me. If we do wind up seeing a pitching change, this will be noted on the spreadsheet in the AM as well. But you do take a look at this LA Angels team, and they wind up having to play without Mike Trout yesterday. And it's a case where they just don't necessarily have a lot behind Joey Otani. And Otani's been struggling in his own right ever since, I would say, July of last year. He's been a guy that's been hitting sub 250, the home run power certainly has waned a little bit in this time span as well, so that means that you need to rely upon Jared Walsh, who actually has been able to do a solid job this season. Second half of last year, the guy was really bad after being an all-star, but he's been able to pair of home runs. He's been able to do a solid job of being a reach base for you, entered into yesterday, hitting above a 300, so that's something that you're able to hang your hat on, but Anthony Rendon, Joe Adele, both of these guys entered into yesterday, hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. Now, Jack Mayfield has been able to get on base. Brandon Marsh has shown a little bit of promise, but I don't know if these guys are going to be able to maintain it over the long haul. And for the Astros, even though they are dealing with an injury to Ryan Presley, this is still a bullpen that I do like. Christian Javier is able to be utilized as a little bit of a Swiss Army knife sort of guy. Hector Neris is never a guy that I've necessarily been too high on, but at the same time, he's a competent reliever for this bullpen. Blake Taylor is able to give you some good innings as well. And then, you do take a look at what you're going to be able to get from a starting pitching perspective. Out of Jake Odorizzi, had a little bit of a rough go of it. His early time in Houston, towards the back half of last season, was really able to lock in, was able to deliver some better starts for Houston as you take a look at him in the month of September and his four starts wound up posting up at 235 ERA so he was able to lock in from that time on and at home 383 ERA last season gave up five home runs in 47 innings I feel like he was a little bit of a victim of bad luck as he was given up right around two and a half walks per nine innings so was able to lock in there and for Shoei Otani Road ERA last season was north of five after it was sub two at home. So that is something that is a little bit concerning there for the Houston Astros. They've had a little bit of a tough time getting their bats going to begin the season. Jose Altuve, he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury as well. I think that that contributes to why some of the books have been a little bit slow to post up numbers on this game. But you also take a look at Michael Brantley. He's always able to get on base for you. Guy with right around a 350-ish on base. Kyle Tucker has been off to a rough start to the season along with Yuli Gurriel, Elamendiz Diaz, Martin Maldonado, which you expect this out of Martin Maldonado all hitting below the Mendoza line of 200, but Jose Siri, he's got a lot of potential and he's got a lot of pop out there in the back half of the lineup out there in the outfield. Alex Bregman has gotten off to a good start. He's got multiple home runs. He's got a north of 350 on base and the Houston Astros, despite their struggles, they're still the best team in the big leagues with regards to fewest strikeouts on a per at-bat basis, so they continue to be very consistent and even Chaz McCormick is giving you some good production with that regard. So this is a game which I did wind up making the Houston Astros right around a plus 112. So seeing the numbers that we're getting right now because I do think that Joey Otani a little bit of a better pitcher, but seeing right around a plus 120, plus 130, 
I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on the Houston Astros. When it comes to the total, I did wind up saying it at a 9.3 as well, especially with both of these teams dealing with some hamperance and some injuries as well. So I'm going to be taking a look at the 8.5 under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the plus price here with Houston. 9.21, 9.22 on the main board. The Toronto Blue Jays at the road to face off against the Boston Red Sox. Nick Pavetta is going to be going for the Red Sox. And Jose Barrios is going to be going for the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are finding themselves in between minus 130 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, with Boston, it's anywhere between plus 115 and plus 125. 9.5 is your total with the under anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110. And this is just too far on the Toronto Blue Jays. I wound up actually making the Red Sox when it's all said and done a minus 106 favorite. So I'm going to be willing to take a shot here. I do recognize that Nick Pavetta last season wound up having a 540 ERA at home on the road. That was about a point and a half better. But I do take a look at the Boston Red Sox bullpen and I like it a little bit more than that of the Toronto Blue Jays. Now Nathan Eovaldi only wound up going four and two thirds innings yesterday. So that meant that Enzo Robles and Matt Stram wound up having to come out of the bullpen. But Garrett Woodlock is able to do a good job for the team at Akazusato Mora along with Ryan Brazier. They're able to give you some good innings and Yusei Kikuchi. He wound up going five innings himself. So Yimi Garcia, you even take a look at someone like a David Phelps, who I feel like is relatively solid. They had to come out of the bullpen. I do like what you're able to get out of Adam Simber, but we also take a look at this Blue Jays team. They have a deal with a couple of ailments of their own. They've been having Zach Collins actually really be able to step up with the bat. That's a little bit surprising, but take a look at some of these guys towards the beginning of the season. Boba Shed, you're able to throw in there. Remy El Tapia, Santiago Espino. They've been having a little bit of a tough start to the year. George Springer coming back is very big. And we all know about Vlad Guerrero Jr., He's got five home runs already this season, hitting above a 300. This guy's absolutely magnificent, but hang with Boston. Alex Verdugo, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, all these guys are hitting above a 300. Trevor Story, thus far, has been able to do a relatively solid job here in Boston, right around a 320-ish on base. Bobby Dahlbeck, Christian Arroyo, they've been off to sad starts here, able to throw in their Kike Hernandez with that regard as well, but I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up a little bit more, and take a look at Jose Barrios, and he's had a relatively rough start to the season thus far. That was really shown in his first start of the year. He wound up going up against the Texas Rangers, and he left that start with a 106 ERA, settled down a little bit more against the New York Yankees, but still, wound up giving up three runs of five innings, including a pair of home runs. Barrios, throughout his career, has always had a tendency to wind up having a little bit of a tough time pitching on the road. Last two years, it's been a little bit better, right? A 380 ERA on the road with 11 home Give it up in 87 and two-thirds innings last season, but you do have to question if those tendencies are starting to come back on him a little bit more, and it does have me questioning that a little bit, I do feel like Boston wanted coming into the year a little bit undervalued as well. I did wind up saying my total at a 9.3, a little bit chilly out there in Boston, and plus, I do think that both of these guys are going to do a better job of being less than the long ball, and just been tough in general for guys to be able to get home runs this season, so we're going to be taking a look at the under, and with Boston, I felt like they should have been a slight favorite, so I'm going to be taking them on the money line, 9.23, 9.24 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins hit the road face off against the Kansas City Royals. Daniel Lynch is going to be going for the Royals, and Chris Paddock is going to be on the bump for Minnesota. Minnesota's heading between minus 123 and minus 140 as regards to a favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Royals, going to be getting them anywhere between plus 112 and plus 123 with your total on this game ranging between 8 and 8.5. On the 8, over is minus 115. The under is even. On the 8.5, over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. And spot in which I did wind up saying the total at a 9.2. Chris Paddock, he's always just been lacking a little bit with regards to being able to get swinging and miss stuff, even dating back to his time with the San Diego Padres. Wound up having right around a 5-ish ERA last season, and you do take a look at Daniel Lynch. I do think that good days are going to be ahead for him, but 
he last year was just not necessarily so great for the team. And you take a look at what Daniel Lynch wound up doing during that 2021 campaign. Had a 716 home ERA to a 433 ERA on the road. Only gave up four home runs at 32 and two-thirds innings. It wasn't the long ball. It's the fact that he wound up giving up between his home and road starts. 31 walks and 68 innings. So command certainly was out there for him. And then I take a look at Chris Paddock and I mean, this is not a guy that is going to put on too many guys overly cheaply. 22 walks and 108 in the third innings, but gave up 15 home runs last season. Opponents hit at 269 off of them, so a little bit of an issue there, and you do take a look at the Minnesota Twins. I have less faith in their bullpen than that of the Kansas City Royals for the Minnesota Twins. They were not able to get five strong innings out of their starter, and really neither of the teams yesterday were able to get a whole heck of a lot of length, so that was a little bit of an issue on both sides. You do take a look at Minnesota and losing Orde Ocala for the time being. That is certainly hurting them. Emilio Pagan is not someone that you're able to trust in on the bullpen. Yohan Romero, I think that he's got a little bit of upside, but he and Yohan Duran, they've got their ups in their dance. Danny Columbi has been able to do a solid job as well. And then you take a look at the Kansas City Royals. Josh Jamont, very good reliever for this team. Jake Brent, Scott Barlow, these guys are able to hold down the fort. Honestly, Amir Garrett is not someone that I necessarily like for the team, but Dylan Coleman has been someone that the Royals have trusted in five times, has yet to be able to give up a run this season. Young guy with a lot of upside for this Royals bullpen. And take a look at both of these teams that both of these teams have had their ups and their downs with regards to lineup. For the Minnesota Twins, Luis Arias has been able to do a solid job of being able to reach base along Gio Rochello, but they've been dealing with an injury to Byron Buxton, and you've noticed Carlos Correa, Max Kepler, Miguel Sano, their power hitters, just have not been able to get on base in general. Gary Sanchez, give him credit. He's hitting right around a 250-ish, so he's been able to pick it up a little bit more there. And for the Kansas City Russ, you can't think that Bobby Wood Jr., Whit Merrifield, and Ed Alberto Mondesi are going to continue to hit below a buck 75. These are not power guys, but they should be able to do a little bit more of a solid job of be able to reach base, and that'll turn those Salvador Perez solo shots into more like two or three run home runs. He had 48 home runs last season, hit a home run yesterday, Andrew Benintendi. He's hitting a 333 for this bunch. I think Cam Gallagher at the catcher spot has been relatively decent as well. I do think that Daniel Lynch should be a little bit of an underdog. I think that you can trust the paddock a little bit more, but neither of these pitchers are necessarily guys that you want to be rolling the dice with too much with the Royals. I was willing to take them at anything north of a plus 118. Currently seeing a plus 123 at Circus, so I'm going to be willing to take that plus price here with the Kansas City Royals. Do mind setting my total at a 9.2, so looking over as well. 925, 926 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Walker Texas Rangers, and they're going to be in the road faceoff against the Seattle Mariners. For the Mariners, you've got yourself a Logan Gilbert down the mound, and Dane Gitter Dunning is going to try to get her done. For the Texas Rangers, Rangers are finding themselves as an underdog in this spot. Anywhere between plus 130 and plus 139. Meanwhile, if you're looking at Seattle, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 142 and minus 151. Your total on this game, you're between 7.5 and 8. On the 8, the over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. On the 7.5, over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. And this is a spot in which I did wind up setting the total at an 8.3. So this is a situation in which I am going to be taking a look at this total over. And with Logan Gilbert, one lay up to a minus 144 with them. So seeing the minus 141, seeing the minus 142, I'm willing to go in on a money line here. Now, if you're looking at the run line, because we're seeing a scatterance of numbers that are right in between that number, I was willing to take the Seattle Mariners on the run line as long as I was getting north of a plus 133, seeing anywhere between plus 140 and plus 150. So it's a determination of whether it's going to be Seattle Mariners on the money line or the run line. If we can get more to a minus 135, minus 140, going to be more of a money line play. But if we continue to see these go up north of minus 145, I'll probably just wind up going with the run line because Dane Dunning is the sort of guy that will allow these Seattle Mariners to be able to cover a plus money run line in this spot. You take a look at what he wound up doing last year with regards to his home and road splits and there's some of the biggest that you'll see. 
309 home ERA, 639 ERA on the road. Made 12 starts on the road, 0-7 record, gave up 9 home runs and 50 and two-thirds innings with opponents sitting at 299 off of him. His walks per 9 rate hovered right around at 4.4. Meanwhile, you take a look at Logan Gilbert and he really pitched the same at home as he did on the road and he's just been reinvigorated this season. First two starts, he wound up going 10 innings, gave up just one run, that was a solo home run, but 11 punch outs. He seems to have a little bit more zip on his fastball. He has been absolutely tremendous. Now, it's a case in which you Seattle Mariners, once again, not necessarily hitting for a lot of average. Entered in yesterday, and he's collected of about a 2.15, but Adam Frazier after a very cold start to the season. He and Ty France, pair of guys that have been able to hit above a 2.50 for this team. Mitch Anninger wound up being out for a few games. They've got him back in the fold after he had a trio of home runs to begin his first eight games of the season. Jesse Winker is someone that has been throughout his career very good at being able to get on base. 3.50 on base going into Tuesday, but guy that was hitting a buck 50 with regards to the average, you know that that's going to be pulled up a little bit more. Guys like Jared Kelnick are going to need to pick it up a little bit more, and I do think that you're going to get a little bit of brightness out of Julio Rodriguez. He's been getting a little bit of bad luck at the plate here at the beginning part of the season. Then you take a look at the Texas Rangers, and no question, this is a very powerful lineup. You wind up bringing in Corey Seager. He's been hitting above a 300 for this bunch. Marcus Simeon has been very cold out of the gate. You've got to figure that a guy that wound up hitting 45 home runs last season, he's going to be able to pick it up. You've also got Adelis Garcia, was an all-star last season. Got off to a nice start. Has been cooling off ever since then. I do think that he's going to be able to refine it a little bit. But Nick Solak, Nate Lowe, along Charlie Culverson, all guys hitting above a 300 for this team. They should be able to supply it. But with that said, Texas going into Tuesday, they wound up having the worst bullpen area in the big leagues. Joe Barlow is really one of your lone reliable guys. Matt, give me some more. Well, you need more out of him because this guy stinks now. Spencer Brandon is actually able to give you some solid innings. But Nick Snyder, Garrett Richards, these are not guys that you want to rely upon. And for the Seattle Mariners, they've got the best one run record in baseball since the beginning of last season at 35-20, and 20. and big reason why is their bullpen. Anthony Machevich is able to give you good innings. Paul Sewell, Drew Steckenrider, you're able to throw in their Diego Castillo. These guys are highly reliable, so if possible, I'm going to try to get more like a minus 140 money line with the Seattle Mariners, but worst comes to worst, I wind up taking the run line in the spot, but going to be on Seattle in some form or fashion. Also want to make it my total in 8.3, so we're going to be looking at the over as well. 927, 928 on the betting board. We've got ourselves the DK Nation pick as the Baltimore Orioles are going to be hitting the road to face off against the swing at Oakland A's. Dalton Jeffries is going to be going for the A's, and you've got Jordan Lyles who's going to be on the bump for the Orioles. Your total on this game is 8. Overs any 14, minus 110, and minus 120. The unders any 14, even a minus 110. And for the Oakland A's, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 129 and minus 138. Meanwhile, with the Baltimore Orioles, it is any 14, plus 117, seeing as high as a plus 128. And DK Nation pick, we are going to be going with the Oakland A's money line in this spot. I know a lot of people are going to be scoffing at this, but... I mean, it's one of the biggest differentials I want him having on the board. I want him saying the Oakland A's at a minus 166. Uh, I mean, I'm playing in accordance to when I'm seeing a big differential on it. It's the Oakland A's money line. I've been in on these guys a lot this season. They've been able to reward your bankroll thus far. And with the Baltimore Orioles, you're throwing out there Jordan Lyles, who was just absolutely terrible last season. You take a look at Jordan Lyles during the 2021 season, and you want to make it 32 starts, and he gave up 38 home runs over the course of 180 innings. That's 1.9 home runs per nine innings, 2.8 walks per nine on the road. It got even worse. 21 bombs in 89 innings with opponents sitting at 276 off of him. This guy was banged around like a pinata, and now the Baltimore Orioles have had to use like some strangest semblance of bullpen pieces because they really don't have any starters 
starters to throw out there. So it has been a not so good situation for them. You're relying upon guys like a Felix Batista to come in on the bullpen. You've also had to utilize someone like a Travis Lincoln Sr., Joy Kreeble. It's not great whatsoever. And by the way, going into the game that we wound up seeing Tuesday night as I am doing this, it is currently pending. Zero overs for the Baltimore Orioles this season. So that's been intriguing to take a look at. So I do expect that to be heading in the opposite direction, especially when you've got an Oakland A's team that Sean Murphy, Seth Brown, Chad Pinder entering into the game on Tuesday, all being able to hit for multiple home runs. It's an Oakland A's team that they're hitting only about a 220 as a collective, but Christian Pache has looked better with the bat, a guy that does a tremendous job out there in the field as well. This is a team that they're not afraid to steal a couple bases as well. Five different players have given you at least one stolen base this season. Steven Piscotty has been out of the fold a little bit. That has been hurting them, but Tony Kemp does a nice job. B.O. reach base, 366 on base, entering into yesterday. And for the Baltimore Orioles, got to figure that Cedric Mullins, along with Ryan Mount Castle pair of guys that had 25 plus home runs last season. They're going to be able to pick it up going into the game that we wound up seeing on Tuesday. They had three of the team's four home runs. Anthony Santander with the only other one. It's been really tough for the Orioles to get overs because they've got four home runs this season and they're hitting right around at 210 as a collective when you've got guys like Roman Urias, Ore Mateo that you're relying upon for good. At best, Runet Odor. He's been really, really bad. Calvin Gutierrez. list goes on and on. Not necessarily so great there. And for the Oakland A's, Dalton Jeffries, even at the minor league level, a guy that doesn't walk guys cheaply. He only gives out right around two and a half walks for nine innings. Take a look at what he's done in his first two starts of the season. Has looked very good. Two runs given up in nine and a third innings. Not a guy that's going to get a lot of swings and misses, but the Baltimore Orioles, they do a great job of being able to create outs all by themselves. And for the Oakland A's, it's not a bullpen that is dominant by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a bullpen that is going to be able to get the job done. Dale Lee Scarretta has been dealing with a little bit of an injury, but Sam Mall has been able to give you some nice innings. Sam Selman is now a guy that they added into the bullpen. I like what he's able to provide. Ryan Kesselani is able to provide some long relief for the team as well. And then you take a look at what you've been able to get out of Danny Jimenez, and he has been electric for this team out of the bullpen. He has made five relief appearances, seven punch-outs, and five innings. I really like what I've seen out of him. He's got closer-esque stuff, in my opinion, so I do take a look at the Oakland A's. This is a price that is way off, in my opinion. I recognize that it's not necessarily the most out there on a limb pick, but the DK Nation pick, we're going to be going with the Oakland A's on the money line. I did wind up taking a look at this total over as well. I wound up setting my total at 8.7, so one go over on 8. DK Nation pick, going to be the Oakland A's, and we wrap things up with 929 on the main board. The Tampa Bay Rays hit the road face off against the Chicago Cubs. Marcus Stroman going to be going for the Cubbies. And we've got Drew Rasmussen, who's going to be on the bump for the Rays. Rays are anywhere between minus 109 and minus 115 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at Cubs, find them as bad as minus 105, as good as a plus 101. No total currently up on this game because Wrigley Field, it's always based on the wind. And right now, if I'm looking at the forecast, this is obviously subject to change. 20 mile per hour winds blowing out. So that means that we are going to be seeing some runs in this game. I wound up setting my total at a 10.2. So a tender lower looking at the over 10 and a half higher. Going to be taking a look at the under end. With the Cubs, I feel like they should be the favorite in this game. Set them a minus 117. Marcus Stroman is actually one of the better ground ball pitchers that you find finding in the big league. So that's a good way of having a little bit of an elixir to what we're going to be seeing with the win. Thus far in his Cubs career, not necessarily so great. Six ERA, giving up six runs over the course of nine innings. Drew Rasmussen, he's come up. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been terrible thus far. Wound up having four innings, giving up two runs against the Baltimore Orioles. His first start, second start, wound up giving up three runs in five innings against the Chicago White Sox. So 
neither here nor there when he was a starter last season with the race from August on. Did wind up having a sub-2 ERA, so I think that both of these guys are going to be doing for a little bit of bounce back. Don't know if that's necessarily going to be happening in this one, though, with the way that the wind is blowing out. And for the Rays, they do have quite a few managers that as long as they wind up putting bat to ball, because this is a team that they're averaging more than nine strikeouts per game right now as a collective, that they are going to be able to do some damage. Brandon Lau, three home runs this season. G-Man Choi, he was hitting going into Tuesday above a 400 with north of a 500 on base. Multiple home runs. He's been able to come out. He's been able to have a nice season. Wander Franco along with Randy Orozarena. These are guys that are able to get on base for you, but Mike Zanino really having some cool age after he wound up having a nice season last year. Kevin Kiermeyer, Brett Phillips, these are guys that just do not do a lot with regards to bat. And then you take a look at the Chicago Cubs, and this is one of the more underrated lineups out there in the big leagues. Frank Schwindel, he's hitting right around a 260 for the team. Last season, he hit above a 300. Granted, it was a little bit of a smaller sample size, but he was able to come through towards the back half of the season. You notice that Ian Happ was able to do a very solid job, as well as you wound up seeing Ian Happ in the final two months of the season be able to give you 14 home runs. C.A. Suzuki has already given you four bombs. He's hitting above a 400. Wilson Contreras, he's been able to give you a couple bombs as well, so these are guys that are able to do a very solid job, and for the Cubs, they have scored at least four runs in now nine out of their first 11 games of the season. Really, the only other team that has done that has been the LA Dodgers, so the offensive firepower has been here with the Chicago Cubs. They really are going to be one of the better offenses out there in baseball. Now, when it comes to bullpen, the Tampa Bay Rays have them outkicked. When you got guys like Jeffrey Springs coming out of the bullpen doing a solid job, J.P. Fireisen, that is going to put this team behind the eight ball, but they've had to use their bullpen quite a bit with the injuries to the stars and for the Chicago Cubs, Daniel Norris not necessarily a guy that you want coming out of the bullpen but Michael Givens, you're able to throw in there the ancient Jesse Chavez, they're able to give you some solid innings. So, set the Cubs as a minus 117 favorite, I'm going to be willing to take them on the money line and like I said, when it comes to total, Tanner Laura looking over, 10 and a half or higher to the under and that will wrap things up for the Wednesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. Big thanks to Andrew Cavley of Covers for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you hear podcasts. Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, if you all want to do ways, we all throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at underscore one Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other way, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? 
backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you. 